That was like the sweetest introduction ever. I love it. I am so, um, always, it's such a blessing and such a privilege to be here. Um, this is, I'm stepping out of my box this morning. So normally, I'm holding a mic, right? And I'm used to that. I mean, I've, I've sang a long time and I always hold a mic. And today, I have the wireless, and suddenly I have these appendages that I don't know what to do with, right? So um, if I start getting really handsy, please just give me grace today, <laughs> because I'm not real sure what to do with this one that I'm normally holding. It. So I'm just so glad to be here. Um, it has been um, a challenging week for me, the last couple of weeks, actually. I had our small group Pray for me. Um, you'll be happy to know I did ask them to pray the no barfing prayer. Um, when I when I asked them that, and, you know, I said, "Could you please pray, you know, the no barfing prayer?" And one of um, one of the people said, "Is that for you or for the congregation?" And I said, "Well, let's do both. So know that today you are covered, and there will be no regurgitation today. Glory to God. Right. So we're going to move forward. But it has been. This is probably um, my third or fourth time speaking here, and. This has been the most challenging one. And it started, it just the enemy has just been pressing in and telling me that I can't do this. And it started last week after Pete spoke, and Pete did such an amazing job. And when he was done, the first thing that came into my mind was, see, he knows what he's talking about. What do you think you're doing? So I just asked my small group, please just pray. Pray this covering over me today that God has a purpose for today. I feel like the reason I've been hit so hard is because God has something to say to somebody today. I don't know what that is. And so we're just going to pray right now that God would just speak. So could you join me in prayer? Yeah. Dear Lord, we are just so thankful to be in your presence today, Lord. Lord, you have something to say. And Lord, I just open myself to you, Lord, that it would be your words, Lord, that are spoken here today. Open our ears, Lord, to hear and our hearts, Lord, to receive what it is that you would have us bring out of here today, Lord. Lord, we just give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are taking a look at Thessalonians 2, 13 through 15. And last week, as I said, um, Pete shared about the beginning of this chapter, which that was like pretty tough. Like, in fact, when, when Pete was done speaking, I said, I am so glad Pastor Dan asked you to talk about that section because, whew, I got the easy part. I feel like that was really tough. And Pete did so good. It was really tough talk. So if you remember, Paul was talking about like the second coming and false teaching about it and the great rebellion when the man of lawlessness was revealed, you know, about the Antichrist. Um, and Paul also talked about how the lawlessness was already at work secretly. So this was not like a kittens and rainbows passage, right? It was, it was pretty tough. Um, Pete said last week it was an escuchame passage, which means listen to me, right? Paul was wanting them to sit up and to take notice and to listen. So this next passage, starting in verse 13, is what I like to call one of Paul's big butts. Paul does a lot of this. This is church. This is church. One of Paul's, one of Paul's big butts. Does a, he does a lot of this in his letters. Like he'll say, listen up, and he'll get down to the nitty-gritty of things and then lays out the big butt. But wait, there is a hope. But don't be afraid. So let's take a look at this passage, and let's, um, let's go ahead and read this together. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. 
He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. Isn't that good? Paul here, he's changing the letter to the good news. But we ought to always thank God for you because God chose you as first fruits. Paul wanted to reassure the Thessalonians that they were chosen. Even though they were suffering under persecution and they were surrounded by wickedness, God had chosen them for a purpose. And I was thinking, why did, why did Paul feel the need to reassure them, right? He could have just talked about all these things that were going on, said, okay, well, see you later. Good luck with that whole being deceived thing. But no, he doesn't do that. He doesn't end this letter with what could make them fearful. And I think Paul knew that fear doesn't motivate people. Fear is a chain that binds people. It causes people to quit and to turn around and to retreat. And we can't grow in a state of fear. And we have, there's a lot of fears in this life. Like I was looking up like phobias. There was like the top 100. I'm like, there's 100 actual phobias? And that was just the top 100. I was like, oh my goodness. The number one, anyone have a guess what the number one phobia is? Spiders, you're right. Arachnophobia is the fear of spiders. I'm not afraid of them. I just don't like them. They're just, they come down. They could go in your hair. Again, I just, uh, I don't, I'm not scared. I just don't like them. Um, there's claustrophobia, right? The fear of being in small places. There's the opposite, agoraphobia, where you're in the fear of being in open places. That's the one where people tend to not leave their house. And there's frogophobia. Um, yeah, that's real. Frogophobia. I'm pretty sure that's the technical term. Um, because, because I have it, um, frogs are jumpy, jumpy and they jump, jump, jump and they can land on you and they're sticky. They could go in your hair. I don't know. Frogs, frogs. And I know Miss Carol isn't here for this service and she loves frogs. and I know I'm going to disappoint her, but frogs are just, ugh, they're just gross. But for me, one of my biggest fears that I've, I've had as long as I can remember is the fear of heights. And maybe it's not so much the fear of heights, it's the fear of falling from said height. And the result of that, that's really, really what I'm afraid of. And even as a kid, like my dad, he used to make me lay down in the back of the car when we were going up to Mount Rainier. Because I might have been a little anxious and and vocal about our trips. Those, Have you seen the guardrails going up to Mount Rainier? They are short! They're short! I know a car could just go and just fall off and just fall to the bottom and blow up. My dad would say, Laura, it's never happened. It would have been in the news. You've never heard about this. Well, I don't want to be the first. So this this is my fear. And my poor husband gets to deal with this fear all the time. And we went on a trip a few years ago with with, uh, some friends of ours up to Lake Chelan. Now, if if you haven't been to Lake Chelan, go to Lake Chelan. Oh, my goodness. It's beautiful. But Lake Chelan is kind of up. So you have Wenatchee, and then, like, you go along the river, and then out of Intiat, you go up. Now, so that road I call is a code yellow. So Dave knows if I say this road is a code yellow, that means two hands on the steering wheel, eyes are forward, not to the left, not to the right, forward, forward, and you probably shouldn't even speak until we get out of this imminent danger area. Okay, so we go, you go up into Lake Chelan, and then you drop back down, and, and then we're good, and we're there. And so we were at, a, at the house that we were staying at, and if you know Dave at all, he loves maps. 
And so he was looking at the map and discovered Chelan Falls. So he said, yay, we should go try and find Chelan Falls. Now, this probably should have set off some sort of inner height scaredness alarm within me because, you know, a waterfall indicates it has to fall from someplace high. For some reason, my alarmometer did not go off and I said, sure, okay, let's go find Chelan Falls. So we're driving and you kind of have to go out of Chelan and then you have to take this turn off the main road into up into the hills. Now we started out and it's a two-lane paved road. I'm feeling good. Okay, two-lane paved road. We're going fine. And then we start to climb and we start to climb more. And I kind of feel we're starting to go vertical at this point. I mean, that's my perception anyways, that this road is just starting to go. And it changes from this two-lane paved road to a one-lane gravel road. And so I'm on this side of the car, the passenger side, and I look down. And there is this, about that much is what I feel, more like this much I feel, um, of gravel road. And then the abyss, down, all the way down, I'm pretty sure to the center of the earth because I could not see the bottom. And there was no guardrail. Not a guardrail. So now my anxiety level is really starting to rise. And so I said, okay, Laura, you can do this. You can do this. And I'm just going to look across the valley, right? I'm I'm not going to look down. I'm going to look across the valley because there's hills on the other side, right? And so the hills are, are higher, right, than where we are. So I look across to the hills. And what do I see but a car that has fallen from the top of the hill, and it is on the side of the hill, this old rusted car. And I'm like, what? It can't happen. Someone was driving up there, and the car came down. So now I'm just, I am done. And we're coming up, and we're cresting up kind of the top of this hill, and it's a hairpin turn. So I'm like, you can just go straight like Thelma and Louise style, just right on off into the oblivion, turn, and then they're kind of turn around behind this hill, and you couldn't see where the road was going anymore. So I was done. So very politely and calmly, I say to my husband, dear, dear sweet husband, my anxiety level is kind of rising right now. Would you be so kind as to turn the car around and go back down the hill? Well, maybe that was a a little calmer. Then what, it was probably more like, we are done with this ride now. We are going to stop the car. I am getting out and I am walking down this hill. If we are not turning around and going down now, I will not die today. <laughs> so Dave very graciously pulled the car, to get, brought the car to a stop, let me out because I was not. He was going to turn the car around, but I am not going to be in that car when he turns it around because this road is narrow and he's going to have to go choo, 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 like that. And I feel like he would know if he was going to plummet over the edge and he could draw, and he could jump out. I might not be that perceptive. So I need to be out of the car. So I'm standing on the side of the road and our friends got out with me. I think out of kindness and probably not to, to maybe restrain me from running down the hill, but they all got out. Dave turns the car around. And then they decide to take pictures. It's like, oh, this is beautiful. We're up high. I'm like, we are going to die, people. Come on. Let's leave. But no, they got to take pictures. And then we get in the car and we go back down the hill. So we get back to the house. And of course, Dave has to see just how close did we get to Chelan Falls. Can I just say I did not see one drop of water? Not one. There was no water anywhere. But he had to see. So he looks at the map. And if we had gone around that curve, remember I said where we couldn't see behind the hill? Yeah, about 50 yards past that, 
it turned into a paved road and came out in a housing development. So, yeah, if I would have just gone probably a total of 100 more feet, I would have been fine. (laughs) But I let fear take over. Right? I let fear dictate my actions. I let it have control. And I let fear rule me. And how often in life do we let our fear rule instead of our faith? We let the enemy tell us the things that we cannot do and we believe him. We feel God calling us to something, but we let fear tell us that we can't do it, that we're not equipped, that we aren't good enough. And Paul didn't want the Thessalonians to cave into fear and give up. This is why he's saying, stand firm, hold fast. Don't let the fear of the things of this world keep you from the true freedom for living boldly for Christ. Because freedom lies on the other side of fear. And the awesome thing is that God has given us the resources to move to the other side of fear. To be able to look at him and stand firm. To rest in him and hold fast. So we can stand firm because we were chosen. And I love how verse 13 reads in the Message Bible. It says, meanwhile, we've got our hands full continually thanking God for you, our good friends, so loved by God. God picked you out as his from the very start. Think of it, included in God's original plan of salvation by the bond of faith in the living truth. God picked you out as his. I love that. God picked you and me out from the very start. Now, how many of you in here played sports growing up? Play sports. How many of you were like good at playing sports? Like you were the one that they said, please, I want you to be on my team. You were one of the first ones picked, right? You were super good. Let me just say, sports is not my language um, at all. So I was never, never, ever one of those people. But I'm sure it made you feel good, right? It made you feel good to be picked first. They wanted you on their team, right? Because they knew you had a talent. They chose you because they knew you could help them win the game. Now, drama was my thing. Funny, right? Huh? Drama was my thing. And I love the theater and being in plays. That was totally what I was into. Um, so those of you that more are maybe in, on my side of things, didn't feel good to be chosen for a part. Right? About all the people that auditioned, you were chosen because you were the one that was felt that could best portray that role, to best communicate the character to the audience. And so whatever it is you're good at, and let me just tell you, those of you that might be thinking, I'm not good at anything, that is a lie, that is not true. God has given you a talent, each and every one of you. You are good at something. And whatever that something is, it feels good when someone recognizes you, that talent in you. It feels great to have someone come up to you and say, could you please help me with this because you're good at it. The God of the universe has chosen you. This is what Paul was reminding the Thessalonians. You have been picked out. You have been selected for the team with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God sees you and says, you can win people for my kingdom. You can communicate my character. You can show people how good I am. And God's word mentions all through it being chosen. In Ephesians 1.11, it says, God also decided ahead of time. To choose us 
through Christ according to his plan, which makes everything work the way he intends. And Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I love this one. Revelation 17.14, They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and with Him will be His called and chosen and faithful followers. So if you start to doubt whose you are, you just remember who chose you. We can also stand firm because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not in this by ourselves. We do not have to rely on our own power to do what God has called us to do because we have been given the Holy Spirit. So 13 again says, but we ought to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord. Because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Sanctification, right? That's a very churchy word. We have a lot of words that are kind of churchy, but this is such, such an important word. And it's in the meaning of this word that really shows us the power of the Spirit. So sanctification, that word itself comes from two Latin words. So sanctus, which means holy, and ficare, which means to make. So to sanctify is simply to make holy, right? And the dictionary definition of sanctify, set apart as or declare holy, consecrate. I love this one, make legitimate or binding by religious sanction, free from sin, purify. So Paul is saying that we are saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that the work of the Spirit is what makes us holy, Set apart, legitimate. We can't go out and check things off a list to make ourselves holy, right? There's nothing that we can do except invite the Holy Spirit in, right? It is the Holy Spirit. And the Living Bible puts verse 13 this way. We must forever give thanks to God for you, our brothers loved by the Lord, because God chose from the very first to give you salvation, cleansing you by the work of the Holy Spirit and by your trusting in the truth. Now, do we have any people here that, that do, does canning? This, again, is not one of my talents. Can't you do canning? I didn't know that. I'm going to be talking to you later. Um, <laughs> this is not one of my talents. And I know um, Miss Deanna May isn't here right now. She is legit. Let me tell you, she presented at the Puyallup Fair, right? She is totally legit when it comes to canning. But <laughs> Sam's like, no, that's not me. Um, but but when you go to can, do you, I mean, you're ready to put your fruit in the jars. Do you just go out to the garage and just like pull that box off and just, you know, blow the dust off and just start pouring your fruit in? Well, no, right? You have to sterilize the jars first, right? You can't put your good fruit in a dirty jar. There could be spiders in there. Speaking of spiders, I just, Wah! you can't put your good fruit in a dirty jar. You have to put them in sterilized jars to keep the contents from spoiling, right? And on the other hand, I don't see people just sterilizing jars for the fun of sterilizing jars. Like, I've never been into anyone's kitchen that says, look at my beautiful sterilized jars that I have over here, right? No, they, they do it for a purpose, right? There's a reason. You sterilize jars for a reason to fill them up with something that you want to preserve, right? And just like we can't put good fruit in a dirty jar, the Holy Spirit can't be placed in us until we are cleansed or sanctified, 
And the only way we can be made clean is through the blood of Jesus. And then we can contain the Holy Spirit within us. And when you make the choice to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are changed. The Spirit can work in you and through you if you allow him to. By living a life with Christ, we are able to preserve the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. The Amplified Bible says this for the second half of verse 13 that I thought thought was just so good. God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through the sanctifying work of the Spirit that sets you apart for God's purpose. The work of the Spirit is to set us apart for God's purpose. When we rely on the Spirit and allow Him to work through us, we are allowing God's purpose to manifest in our lives. Jesus said the Spirit is like the wind. We don't know where it's coming or where it's going. But we do know the power of the wind. And God, or Paul, excuse me, Paul recognizes the power of the Holy Spirit. I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 2.4 says, Paul saying, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. We can look at our life situation and stand firm knowing that we are set apart, legitimate, and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. That we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and rely on His power through any situation that we encounter. We are empowered through the Holy Spirit. And then we can stand firm because we share in the triumph of the cross. Verse 14 says this, To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to Paul, God's goal is that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that, that's amazing to think that someday we will share in the triumph of the cross with Jesus. And I think of that and think, what did I do to deserve that? Nothing, right? There's nothing I have done. I know the life I've lived. I know my failures. But still, we get to share in the triumph of the cross with Jesus himself. There's this great quote that I ran across when, when studying for this message. And it's by Ray Stedman. He was a pastor that passed away quite some time ago. But he says this, No matter how obscure and unknown you may have been on earth, one day God will unveil before the whole universe what he has been doing through the centuries and bringing us together a people who will share his glory. Isn't that so good? I want to share a story with you about one of my coworkers, and he and his wife have this lovely little boy, and his name is John. And John is six or seven now, and John is probably the most polite little child that I have ever run into and he will come into the office and I'll say hi John how are you and he says well hello Miss Laura how are you today I am very well thank you and I feel like I need to sit up a little straighter when he comes into my office right he's so so polite I'm super super sweet little boy very smart Um, but you're very typical seven-year-old but just extremely polite and um, one day my co-worker was telling me the story how he got a call at work from the school and he's like, oh, no, this is never a good sign when you get a call in the middle of the day from the school. And it was John's kindergarten teacher. And she said, I had just had to call and, and tell you um, about an incident that had happened today before he got home so you would be aware. 
And he was like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> what has happened? And so the kindergarten teacher proceeded to tell this story. It was during the week of um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and so they were having an assembly. So all the kids came into the gym, and they were all sitting there, you know, crisscross applesauce on the gym floor. And um, the teacher had her kindergarten class all lined up next to her, and they had the speaker come in to talk about, to talk about Dr. King. And John was just sitting there listening, just riveted to this to this um, speaker. She was talking about, you know, all the things that Dr. King did and the civil rights movement and, and all the, the good works that he had done. And John was just so in tune. Like other kids, you know, when you have a speaker, especially little guys, they get kind of squirmy, right? But he was just engaged, just totally into it, just hanging on every word she said. And so she finally comes to the end of the speech and she says, you know, we are just so thankful for everything that Dr. King did. And it really was a tragedy when um, he was assassinated. And John sits up and turns to his teacher, what? He's dead? And she calls him over and she's like, John, didn't, didn't you know that? It's like, no, I thought she was introducing him. So he was so upset because he didn't know the end of the story, right? He wasn't prepared. And I was thinking about our world today and even just like in the United States or in Washington, in our community, in our workplaces, even in our family, how many don't know the end of the story? We, it is so good that as Christians that we know the end of the story. And we need to share. We need to share the end of the story. We need to give people hope. There's people out there that don't have hope. And we need to share the end of the story. Pete shared this last Sunday where he said, Christ came, Christ died, he came back, and he's coming back again. Right? And the enemy will be defeated. But the enemy works so hard at having us forget this. He wants us to forget that we have already triumphed, that we are children of the Most High God, and that we can claim the victory. We get caught up in life. And life is difficult, and life is messy, and we go through hard things, and the pain that can happen in this life is very real. Not one person in this room is immune to it. It is how we choose to face the trials that makes the difference. We can decide that God is not big enough, that our trouble is too deep, that our problems are too much for God's grace to overcome. And these are the lies of the enemy. The enemy hates us and he does not want us to claim the triumph of the cross. We need to remember who we belong to. In those times of despair, when there doesn't seem like a hope, we need to hold fast to the living hope. And all throughout the word, it tells us about how to claim the victory 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And 1 Corinthians 15, 55-57, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then 1 John 5, 3, 4, and 5 says, 
For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Church, I want you to hear this this morning. That every child of God defeats this world. Not comes in second. Defeats this world. But this is not on our own. It is not by our own power. We have victory through the power of Jesus. And 2 Thessalonians 2.15 says this. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. God did not call us to serve him just to leave us to wander in this world alone. Just like God didn't call the Israelites to the edge of the sea and said, go out and drown. No matter what you are going through, God is there to say, I will bring you through to the other side. Listen to what Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians. This is um, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to people. But God keeps his promise and he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you are put to the test, he will give you the strength to endure it and so provide you with a way out. We must make the choice to live according to his power and his strength and his purpose. Pastor Wayne says something good, so good. He always says a lot of things good all the time. But last, a couple weeks ago, he said something so good during ministry time that God would leave the 99 to find the one. But the one has to take the step and grab onto the shepherd's hand. In order to have your feet planted on solid ground, you have to step out of the sand. I attend class with um, Kent Ross on Sunday nights. If you guys aren't in a class Sunday nights, you need to get down here. They are awesome. And Kent's amazing. And we are studying the history of Israel. And we are in the book of Joshua. And we were reading about the Israelites, how they're finally going into the promised land. And the Lord was speaking to Joshua, and he tells him, I will give you every place where you set your foot. And Joshua 1.9 says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. But we have to take the step to claim it. We need to quit letting the enemy keep us from stepping into the land that God wants us to inherit. So when the enemy whispers in your ear that you are not good enough, you need to remind him that you are chosen. And when the enemy throws your deficiencies in your face, you need to remind him that you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to overcome. And when the enemy tells you that all is lost, you tell him that you have already won through the triumph of the cross. We are all warriors equipped with the full armor of God. And Ephesians 6, 11, um, 15 says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in time of evil. Then... 
after the battle, you will be standing firm. And I, and I came across this on social media the other day, and it just struck a chord with me, I guess, and especially with all the things that I had been struggling with. So I just wanted to share it with you. And it says, the devil whispered in my ear, you are not strong enough to withstand the storm. And I whispered in the devil's ear, I am a child of God, filled with the spirit, a warrior of Christ. I am the storm. We need to stop letting the enemy speak into our lives, but stand firm and hold fast to the power of Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team if they would come up. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians speaks to us today. Stand firm in whose you are. Hold fast and don't give up on the truth. And you may be in a place today where you feel like you're on shifting sand. And I want to encourage you today that God is holding his hand out to you. Isaiah 54.10 says, The mountains and the hills may crumble, but my love for you will never end. I will keep forever my promise of peace. So says the Lord who loves you. If you have never taken the step of accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would just encourage you to take that step today. You have a God that has been pursuing you. And he loves you. And he has a purpose and a plan for your life. He loves you just as you are in this very moment. We're going to have the opportunity for prayer later. And if you would like to come down and have us pray for you and help you lead you through that prayer of salvation, we would love to. We would love to pray for you today. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I would encourage you today to stand firm and hold fast to the promises that God has given you. You have the victory. And if you are not feeling like you have the victory, please come down and get prayer today. Let us pray for you. There will be people here that can pray for you. This song that we're about to sing is called Surrounded. And um, it's really been a song that I've been turning to lately, and especially this last week. It, you know, Sometimes you have those songs that you just kept hitting on repeat, and this has been it. So as we sing this, I'd ask that you would just listen to the words. And just let them sink in. And remember that you are chosen. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. And we share in the triumph of the cross. That though the enemy rises up against us, we can stand firm and hold fast. With the power of the living God, we can go forward and we can fight our battles. This is how I find my battles. And 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 they look. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. 
It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Come on. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Sing it again. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And this is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. And this is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Hallelujah. 